Trey? Trey, what are you doing? Huh? Shoot somebody now. Well, here I am. Come on, shoot me. You bad, right? Look, I'm sorry about your friend. My heart goes out to his mother and his family, but that's their problem, Trey. You my son, you my problem. I want you to give me the gun. I see, you want to end up like little Chris in a wheelchair, huh? Right? No, no, you want to end up like Doughboy, huh? No? Give me the motherfucking gun, Trey! He's handing him the gun. Son, and I'm not gonna lose you to no bullshit, you hear? I love you, man. now, Lawrence Fishburne's character takes a second to sigh and think about what has just happened, and he does a quick glimpse up into the into the air, um, just the relief of having talked down his boy from doing something stupid or something harmful, and that resonates with me, resonates with me more now than ever because all of a sudden... I got myself a teenager and you know he's moving I have a teenage boy uh and and he's moving toward you know you know through this process of middle school into high school and the challenges of finding himself in uh, in an environment where although it's not as dire anywhere close to as dire as was 1990s Los Angeles was back in the day, there's still a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of places where he could go wrong. There's a lot of interactions that can go sideways really, really fast. And so back in the day when I watched the movie, Boys in the Hood, um, just you know, prior to me actually starting the high school experience, when I was watching the movie, I was identifying a lot with the kids, obviously. But now as a father, that moment of realization that how do you talk somebody down who has all this piss and vinegar uh, that comes with that age and and such so anyways that's kind of what i want to talk to you guys about today according to urban dictionary a cholo 
is a term implying a Hispanic male that typically dresses, I'm sorry, quote, a cholo is a term implying a Hispanic male that typically dresses in chinos, khaki pants, a wife beater sleeveless t-shirt or a flannel t shirt with only the top button, a hairnet or with a bandana around the forehead, usually halfway down over the eyes. Cholos often have black ink tattoos commonly involving Catholic imagery or calligraphy messages or family values or family names, end quote. Okay, I'm actually surprised that Urban Dictionary is very clinical with the term. I'll tell you that back when, uh, in the 90s, when, when I was a kid, a cholo was somebody that my mom, A, dread that I would ever resemble and look like, and people that she wanted me to stay away from. You did not go near cholos. You didn't want to be involved with cholos. And even though we had neighbors that would fit that criteria, and they were good kids, I knew them, I hung out with them, my mom was always apprehensive about me spending any time with these boys because she was afraid of the influences. And I can't say that I blame her. I mean, I was a good kid, uh, a relatively good kid. Uh, and these guys were up to shady shit, you know, for 14, 15, 16-year-olds. I mean, there wasn't any, any real violence where I was growing up. But there were some things that they were doing that, you know, had I gotten more involved with it, I probably would have gotten myself into trouble. But the reason why I, you know, the, you know, tell you about the typical idea of what a cholo is, you know, just wearing the heavy, you know, the, back in the day, like saggy pants, really heavily creased chino pants, you know, the hairnet. I so, did see some of that. Some of it is stereotypical, but it's based on reality. And I did happen to live in a neighborhood where people like that existed and, and they were walking around the neighborhood or hanging around in different places. And so we were aware that they, that where they were and we, we stayed away. But it's, it's funny. I always thought cholos only existed in, Los, in, in, in my neighborhood in East Los Angeles. And the reality is that they don't. They actually, they, there's a long history of, of this type of dress or this type of identification, and it's, it, it's all over the country and into even some parts of Latin America, as I've learned, you know, in doing a little bit of research for, for talking to you guys today. But my worst interaction with a cholo actually didn't come, or cholos, it didn't come when I was a teenager. It actually came many years later. When I was already an adult, or a young man in his early 20s, and I was driving from a job that on Rodeo Drive in California. I was driving from Rodeo Drive to Montebello, California, where my first apartment was with my girlfriend. And in L.A., if you are get out of work at 4 or 5 o'clock and you're trying to drive east uh, into the city, you are stuck in endless traffic. It's been like that since I was a little kid, and it finally will be like that until the, the, the end of time. You're just sitting in traffic, and it's, you know, think about do the right thing kind of deal, like when it's the, 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 there's so much heat on, on the asphalt, and tempers are, uh, you know, are, are raw. That's what a lot of my drives were like. Now, Rodeo Drive is a relatively nice area, but you do have to get through some other parts of LA, you know, since I did a lot of street driving to try to avoid the freeway. And so I would go into all sorts of kind of different neighborhoods. And in this one instance, I drove through one that was relatively rougher to try to get to the 10 freeway. Anyways, I am inching along 
pissed off that it's hot, uh, my car's air conditioning is not working. I was driving a Nissan 300ZX back in the day and uh, I had the T-tops off. Uh, and I was, and the, and, that, and the reason why I did that is because I did not, it's not because I wanted to look cool, but it was the only way to get, any way to get air into the, into the car because the air conditioning had gone out. So it's, uh, it's blaring, I'm hot, I am frustrated, I'm inching along, and a car cuts, cuts in front of me. And that becomes such a fuck you kind of moment that I, I couldn't help myself in anger. I raised my finger as fast as I can. I flipped the car off. And sure enough, the car stops. And you think, okay, shit. And out of it, three big-ass cholos come out of the car, not the driver. And they're like, what the fuck? What's your problem? And all of a sudden, a meek little Hugo I mean, I'm t probably 20, 21 years old, I'm 5'7", probably weigh thin, because I was thin, probably weigh about, I don't know, uh, 150 pounds, shrinks into my seat because now I'm in a fucking situation. And again, this is a long time ago, but one was like, oh, you're flipping people off, you want to keep that fucking finger. And, and this guy is just coming at me so far so hard and so fast at, at that point where I gotta I gotta raise up my hand like hey 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 guys it's cool and and I could feel it in myself the shaking the the worry and then I, I'm mindful of my surrounding and like is shit gonna go down here in, in front of all these people and so I started to do the calculation of okay well what's my escape strategy so should shit go down or am I gonna get shot because again you're talking at a time in LA and you know, that where guns were all over the fucking place and people settle things sometimes very, very fast and dramatically and sadly, you know, people lost their lives. You know, I would like to think that things have gotten better, but there was just another shooting this week in, in the U.S. and it's almost every single day now on the average and it's sad to say that we haven't gotten any better as a society in that way. But that's another story for a different day. And so I am doing all these calculations. I'm trying to think about, okay, what am I going to do? And raising up my hands, and I realized real quickly that my only option, I think, is to apologize. And so I'm like, hey, guys, right with my hands up in the air. I'm sorry. You cut me off. It upset me. I don't know if I said it exactly that way, but I know that I was shaken and scared. I'm like, I'm really sorry about that. Now, the guy paused for a second. He told, you know, he cursed at me a couple of times. He's like, you know what? You're cool. You apologized or you said you were sorry, but don't fucking do that again. And he walked back into the car and the old three walked back to the car. And I'm like... Fucking hey, uh, well that escalated quickly, and and I and I was shaken for a little bit until maybe another thirty minutes later. I'm back on the freeway and I'm pissed off at somebody else. Now I didn't flip anybody off at, at that moment, but I, I felt the instinct to do so. And you would have thought that after a run-in like that, my male lizard brain would have thought, "Knock that shit off! It it gets you into trouble." But the reality is, is that I have been involved in mild road rage for 
almost 20 years of driving now. You know, I've been on the road for a long, long time, and sometimes I see slides everywhere. There's something about somebody coming near your vehicle that you take umbrage to, and, and you think, well, i got to defend, you know, uh, the place that I'm in, and, and there's no way that guy's going to get this spot, it's going to get this lane, there's, not gonna, you know, there's no way that I'm going to let him tailgate me. Uh, they're moving too slow, so I need to put my blinkers on. I have done, and I have cursed like a sailor in the vehicle at, at people. And I've done that for a long, long time. But now I've realized that sometimes when I do it, my kids are in the car. And so they're starting to be mindful again of, because I've talked about this on the pod before, of what dad's actions are and whether they should model them or not. Fast forward to about a year ago, no, six months ago, we were at Magic Mountain. It's a, for those of you who don't know, it's an amusement park here in Los Angeles, waiting for a roller coaster. And it was the last one that we were going to ride. My son and I went up to Tatsu, and we happened to be waiting in, in this relatively long line. And finally, we get to the, you know, about five people away from us taking our seats. And there's a bit of a confusion between which line to go to because there's just a lot of people packed into one small space. And so I look at a line that I think we want to go into and I move there. But my placement, because there's a lot of folks there, is ambiguous. I could be going into one of two, right? There's another guy behind me, big guy. I mean, I'm 5'7", like I've said. This guy's probably 6'3", or so, Mexican, Latino. And he's kind of waiting. And at one point, I ask, you know, the, the guys in front of me, hey, which line are you going to be on? They tell me. I'm like, okay, then, then I know where you're going. So that means that's the line that we want to um, you start getting on to. Uh, the guy behind me didn't hear that interaction. And so when, it, the, the you know, one car goes, one roller coaster car goes, everybody moves up a little bit. And so I make my move with my son to move into that line. And the guy behind me is like, are you going to make up your fucking mind? And it pisses me off because, A, my son's right there with me. Second of all, I did my due diligence and I asked the people in front of me where they were going to be so that I know how to situate myself. And this guy back here, he's just mouthing off. He has a girlfriend there with him. I'm like, excuse me? He's like, well, are you going to make up your mind? You got to make up your mind. I'm like, my mind was never in doubt. I knew exactly where I was going, and I've already asked these people. And, of course, the, you know, the, the boys that I had asked prior to, they don't want anything to do with this conversation. And all of a sudden, I feel like my t- temperature's going up, and this guy's temperature's going up. And my son happens to be there, and then this guy's girlfriend is kind of tugging at him, like, come on, let this go. Now, I got to do some quick calculations. How... How much do, is this a hill that I, is this a battle that I want to get into? Is this the, uh, is this something that I want to pursue? And I let it go. But I did make it a point to let this prick know that I wasn't backing down. Your fucking size doesn't matter to me. I'm a 41-year-old man who did the right thing. No, you don't get to talk to me like that. So at least body language-wise, I'm going to make myself known. See, in that sense, and, and I don't do this to front or anything, but it's something, I guess, that comes from my dad, where he was a police officer, he had a short temper, and he always taught me, you let your posture talk for you. 
people don't fuck with others that, you know, don't fuck with people that, that, that don't look weak. Right? So if you make your see, yourself seem bigger than you are, then you know, others can read that and they'll back away from you. And even a small guy can be imposing if he sets up his body the right way. And so it's something that was ingrained in me from him and something that I, that I keep to this day. But, but the reality is, though, that I don't want to be in a fight. I don't want to be in that kind of argument. And I certainly don't want to do that on the last day at Magic Mountain with my son next to me. Anyways, we get on the ride, we go up and down, come, come on back, and on the way you know, out and to head towards my wife and my daughter who were waiting somewhere else, I talked to my son and said, well, what did you think of that interaction? And this boy says, I don't know why you just didn't let it go. I'm like, what? Well, why did you even have to say anything? I told him, well, because this guy first used, you know, bad language. So like, well, you used that bad language, that. I'm like, yeah, but there's a difference. You're here with me. And second of all, I kind of, I don't know, it was just instinct, but I'm not backing down. So he's like, I would have. There was, or there was no point in that. And right there, I became aware that there is a big difference between my son and I. I have this old school mentality about those situations. And, and by, by all means, you know, to all everybody, men and women listening to this, but let's, let's say men, I would love to know what your thoughts are on this. But, because I don't believe that I'm, I'm raising a weak young man. I'm raising a mindful young man. I am asking him to really think, I am raising him, I guess, through example, <laughs> bad example, but through, through our conversations that what is the point of the argument, of the fight? And I'm, I'm, actually, now that I think about it, it's something that, again, I may not be, always be the best example, although we do communicate a lot about these things, and obviously we deconstruct the, these moments so that we can both glean some information from, but there's, there's a lot of it is the influence that he's getting from school about the concept of, is a fight worth it? Is pursuing action the best, the, the, the best way to go? So after that, I really started to think, okay, why did I act that way? Why, do I, why couldn't I back down? Why did I have to puff off my chest and make, and make a big to-do thing? Because it didn't impress my son, and it put me in a, in a precarious place. Why did I do that? Why, at 40-somewhat years old, do I still feel the need to have to, I don't know, to, 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 to man up, for lack of a better term? Why? What did it serve? And that bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. Now, I happened to be on the YouTube machine a, a few weeks ago, uh, months ago, it just coincided that one right after, happened right after the other. And for some dumb reason, the uh, algorithm suggested these road rage videos. And I clicked on one because I'm like, okay, a compilation of road rage videos. And I ended up spending, kid you not, probably about three hours late into the evening watching these fucking things. And it is clip after clip after clip 
of shit going sideways, literally and figuratively, of people interacting with one another in cars, doing small things that end up turning into into the worst of outcomes. Deaths on the roads, cars flipping over, things being thrown at one another, um, people being run over. I, I, I mean, I, I have never could imagine that somebody would just decide to use their vehicle as a weapon and just run over somebody and then drive away in, in, in the mentality that you realize you're going to get caught. Like, how angry do you have to be to get there? But the reality is that although I have never reached that point, I understand the instinct. But watching people get hurt over and over and over again really put my how I act on the road into perspective. And the realization that I have actually gotten quite lucky over the last 20 years of driving that shit hasn't really gone that bad. That the worst story that I have is three cholos have come out of their vehicle and threatened me. And from that point till now, I have chilled out on the road. Yes, I still get angry. Yes, I still say things. And, you know, and I joke with my kids in the car about how upset and angry that I am. But I don't flip people off. I don't glare at them anymore because you know you do that whole thing where you look over to the other vehicle and you know just let them know that they fucked with you or, or or that you got their number. I don't do that anymore. I don't I, I don't react to to bad things. I just try to step away. You know I, I I try to step back from the whole situation. I realize now at forty that there is no value to the road rage. It doesn't accomplish anything and in the wrong place at the wrong time it could actually you know end up costing us a lot. And also the example that I'm setting for my children. The fact that you know they they're one day here soon within the next three, 4 to 5 years they are going to be sharing the road with other people. And that they all need to have a model for how to, you know, approach this, you know, kamikaze, uh, well, this, this freeway thing that we got going on here in Los Angeles, where you're living in an extremely densely populated area with uh, people from all walks of life, and a lot of them are, you know, are, are packing shit, so they, how, how do, are they going to interact? And it also led me to think that I need to teach my children, specifically my son, and, and I say this because I think that in males it's, it's more prevalent. Not saying that girls can't get angry and they can't fight. If you have ever, I have seen some girl fights and they're fucking scary. Uh, I, I don't know how, the, just the fact that the pulling of the hair and the yanking out of the hair is fucking, it scares the shit out of me. Back in the day, uh, when I used to, we used to, I used to walk from middle my my middle school, junior high school back home, and there would be these fights on Cesar Chavez, and yeah, because I mean, it was Cesar Chavez back in the day? No, oh, it was Brooklyn back in the day, and then they changed it to Cesar Chavez. But that's neither here nor there. They, these girls would get into these fights like along the way, and they were just ripping and yanking hair. They had the long nails, and they were clawing at one another. Girl nights are fast, uh, are nasty. Boy fights. I, I think the, the the chances that there's going to be weaponry may perhaps is higher, 
And so, and, and also that instinct to get pissed off is so quick. The, the fuses are, are, are short that we don't do a good job. At least, okay, I think that they do a good job at their schools. I don't know that as a society we do a good job of teaching our children, our boys, how to de-escalate a situation. That there's, there's that moment in interaction between young men, men, where we have the option to backtrack. And that's where, and that's where I have these, that's where I disagree with the, uh, you know, all this phraseology that we have lately. The alphas, the betas, the cucks, fuck off. Okay, because that kind of uh, caste system that we're creating in manhood makes it so that, that, that young people cannot back down, that they don't learn the skills to back down, to de-escalate a situation. And, it, and I, I, again, I want to hear your, your thoughts on this because I know that some of you are, are very, you know, they defend that and, they, and you talk about that and it's, it's important to you. But I will tell you, at, at least from my life experience, that there is virtue in saying this is not a fight that I want to have. I, you can have the last word. I don't need to have it. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. You want to call me a pussy, knock yourself out. But guess what? I am going to go home. I'm going to go home with, to my children, to my wife. And that momentary, uh, th that moment of where we're looking at each other in the eye and, and you want to take the win, be, be, it makes you feel better, knock yourself out. But because, but because we have all this phraseology and everybody wants to be top dog, then that means that we just keep on increasing the temperature on things. And, actually, and I think that is the wrong way to go. We should be, go, be going the other way. And so I've learned something from my son and from my son's attitude of it's not worth it. And, and, and it's sad that I had to learn that at 40. Because that means for 20 years, I was a pissed off, angry young person out there looking, you know, feeling every slight, but also not having the physical ability to really defend myself. I don't know fucking karate. I, I you know, I'm watch the Matrix. That's as much as, you know, ju uh, judo as I'm ever going to know. So here I am puffing my chest and, and getting into interactions. And if some shit went down, how am I going to defend myself? I couldn't. Not really. And it's not like I'm going to go out there tomorrow and start learning Krav Maga. I don't have time for that. And so it's important that, that we teach that, that, we, that, we, that to, your, to the kids, that you instill that into your, into your children, especially your boys, is that it's all right to not get the last word. It's okay to not have to be the top dog at, at every single given point in time. It's okay for you to walk away. It's okay for you to apologize. It's okay for you to be angry in the moment, but find strategies to, to diffuse that within yourself. John Singleton uh, passed away. Uh, 
this week. Uh, he's the director for Boys in the Hood and um, came out in 1991. And, and I heard the clip that I, you know, started this this podcast with on NPR. And I was listening to it, ironically, in the car on my way to show some property. It just really hit home. In in this whole concept of de-escalation has been simmering in my mind for quite a while. Because, again, I have a teenager in the house. I have a teenager in, 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 and I have a boy. And, you know, high school is upon us here within the next few years. And I would like for him to have an easier time than I did from the standpoint of not being angry all the time like I was. And so for a lot of you guys out there, take a moment to think it through. And also take a moment to think about the example that you're going to be. There is a lot of strength in walking away. There is a lot of virtue in understanding the bigger picture and realize that not everything is a fight. I am kind of, I feel it's, it was kind of cool of that Cholo, the one that I had the interaction with back in the day of the three, who when I apologized said, all right, fuck off, <laughs> in lack of better terms. Maybe that guy wasn't looking for a fight that day either. Maybe that guy was just as frustrated as I was to be in a hot car on a summer day in Southern California. We both made choices in those four minutes. If we had made different ones, would he and I still be here? Peace.